Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Q2Q podcast. If you don't know us by now, my name is Becca. My name is Ben. And as you could gather from the title of this episode, we are joined once again by the lovely Shay Willard. Hello, Shay. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me back. I feel like last time we were here, we were writing the Scarrow Smith Express to Halloween Town. <laughs> yes, and and that was the the fun thing about me texting you earlier this week to like arrange this meeting. I was, I was like, it's been a week <laughs> since the last time we've talked to you. <laughs> it feels too soon. Uh, nah, not soon enough. Always a pleasure. Oh, thank so, you. Um, pretty important stuff that we always have to start the episode with. How's everyone's mm-hmm. week? Uh, what did I do this week? I don't even know what I did this week. Oh, I finally had to get a COVID test. That was not fun. Uh, I had a case of the sniffles and a sore throat, but because I work in school now, I wanted to be extra safe. So I got a rapid test and I'm negative for COVID. I have no more symptoms. It was just a little, little cold. I was a hundred percent sure it was just a cold, but um, excellent. I just wanted to be extra safe. Um, so yeah. I finally had to get a COVID test. It, the, at least the one I got, wasn't so bad um wasn't the worst thing but mm. i i've heard that two, there's a couple different kinds and some are worse than others so yeah i've had one where it's just up the nose in the sinus three seconds ouch <laughs> that was that was that was what mine was looking like but they were like it's gonna feel like water and it felt like broken glass but it was okay it was fine water at all it yeah, like water if you like took a, a bottle of seltzer and shook it up <laughs> thumb over it and got it into your nose that kind that's of- accurate uh for me it was kind of nice because i was stuffy so like them shoving the thing up like clean oh, yeah, out my nose it was really gross um anyway ben how was your oh week? for sharing my week was fine um i had a little bit of time off of work the week before so i was just kind of readjusting getting back mm-hmm. into the grind so, not too exciting, but it was, good. it was all right. Shay? My week was great. Um, last weekend, I was actually at Disney World. God. <gasps> I went, my folks are, are down there um, looking for a house right now, so they, they flew me down, because they're, they're at retirement age, they're going to be retiring in the next few years. Um, so they, they flew me down and spent the weekend with them, it was really nice. Um, you know, we did, went to Animal Kingdom, that was uh, that all, but that's all you need to do, really. Um, that's true. And, you know, did some resort hopping. And then, uh, so I, I also had a COVID test this week because I try and get myself tested every couple of weeks. But since I was, you know, on a plane and, and flying and everything, I also went down. Uh, wanted to get that done um, mm-hmm. soon. So, mm. yeah. And awesome. uh, it's been good. Um, still taking pictures of people who build animatronics. <laughs> awesome. Which is good. Well, color me insanely jealous that you were able to go to the park. Um, I'm hoping <laughs> to get down there maybe January. Still yeah. looking at that, but mm-hmm. we'll see. How and, was uh, it? Like, was it busy? Um, it was a little busier than when I was there in August. Not much busier though. Um, I mean, I I didn't go into the park on Saturday because I didn't have reservations or tickets. But we were just sort of near Magic Kingdom. We were we were up mm-hmm. front, um, just kind of looking. We were like changing boats and. It didn't feel like there were a ton of people there, but I know they hit capacity that day, which means 25% capacity. So, gotcha. Uh, but Animal Kingdom was great. I mean, the longest line I waited in was 
flight of passage it was like 45 minutes so that's not bad that's yeah that's really not bad i'll take that any day heck yeah well nice so uh Glad the next most important part is uh what's everyone drinking i know oh, yeah. shay you you told us briefly but what for the viewers viewers you may know that i very rarely have actual alcohol on the show but something about today it seemed like a day for alcohol so i have yeah. the, the nice soda stream version of diet dr pepper which is actually really good on its own and then i put some george dickel into it what and is that it's a whiskey it's really good nice um, it's kind of vaguely like coconutty i think is what i'm getting here i don't know but it tastes really okay. good so i just saw pepper run in so that's good, that's good news. <laughs> shay's day is infinitely dog? better than ours <laughs> there's a dog this is my roommate dog maddie she's in the podcast oh. now she Awesome. She's Goodbye. A, she's a <laughs> maniac. Oh, she'll be back. What a cutie. <laughs> I am drinking a new one. Uh, this is from Topwater Brewery. It's in my hometown of Barrington. Uh, it's a pumpkin ale from them. It's pretty good. I already had Ooh. one before. Uh, it's in uh, Becca, you may know it. It's at Cozy's Pizza. Oh, cool. In Barrington. Yep. So check them out. They got some cool stuff. Really, really cozy little bar. We had a we had a Buffalo Hawaiian pizza. It was great. Mmm. That's good. I am like not too doing... much. Kind of tastes like an Oktoberfest. That's good. I am yeah. doing a Lagunitas IPA because I had a small Halloween gathering last weekend, and my friend had one beer and went, "I'm not taking this home. It's yours now." <laughs> so thanks, Will, for this well, this beer. <laughs> that's the rule at my house too. You leave it; it's ours. <laughs> yeah, he was like, "You can have it. I don't want to take it home." And I mean, like, I see him every weekend, pretty much, because he's my best friend's boyfriend. So. Mm. <laughs> Excellent. So I guess we should probably get into the news. I think so. Um, the the probably the most the biggest news this week is that there is new animatronic potential at the Hall of Presidents. Oh. Mm-hmm. Because um, there's a new president elect. That's true. So new animatronic potential. There's actually a lot of. There's been. I was looking at a couple of different uh, news sources, being like, there was always there's already a few questions about like the future of the hall of presidents in the first place because of how difficult it was this last round mm -hmm. to to figure out a new animatronic mm -hmm. and like it's not disney's not talking about it at all but like there's speculation about like kind of how outdated the hall of presidents is in its whole story of like how and like now especially looking at like cultural change in the united states seeing like maybe we should color the hall of presidents to more reflect the current climate of the way we look at history. And it's hard because the Paula Presidents is Disney-fied. So mm -hmm. it only shows the, the theoretical good, positive aspects about history. But we as people know that there are almost no positive aspects about history. <laughs> so it's, there's, there's been talks about it. So it'll be interesting to see how quickly the turnover is if it's a traditional Hall of Presidents turnover, and if not, we'll see what happens. All right. But new animatronic potential. Hooray. Great. Um, ever the news on this podcast, I think we missed it last week, because Ben, I remember texting you about this. Um, a new baby mm -hmm. white rhino was born at Animal Kingdom on October oh, yeah. 25th. I believe we, men like, <clears throat> we mentioned it to each other um, outside of recording, but we missed it to report on it last weekend. But... Um, mm -hmm. There's a new baby rhino at Animal Kingdom, which is important because baby rhinos are insanely endangered. Um, 
So the fact that there's a new baby carrying on the population. Yeah, um, that's excellent news. Yeah, we love baby animal content here at the Q, at Q2Q. <laughs> I think we've talked about baby animals like every other episode because Pretty there's just so many baby animals between all of the little amusement parks. Um, Universal Orlando announces its holiday 2020 lineup, um, which will include some festive decor, special holiday merchandise, special Christmas show for Celestina War- Warbeck, which if you don't know who Celestina Warbeck is, she is the, um, the most famous wizard singer. Mm. So she's a, she's a witch that sings in uh, Diagon Alley, and her show is pretty cute. She, it's okay. Celestina Warbeck and the Banshees. Um, so is she the character that we already see in Diagon Alley? Yes, the one that um, sings with the other girls okay. in, on the same stage as the um, the Beetle the thing, yeah. Tales of Beetle the Bard, yeah. yeah. Um, That's awesome. She's Molly Weasley's favorite singer. <laughs> hmm. um, be, and it's, it's actually, she's a really cool character because even in the book, the reason why Molly Weasley loves her so much is because she is also a plus-sized woman. Hmm. So it's really nice to see that there's representation for for that um there's macy's balloons as always at universal because they do their little macy's holiday thing um you can still meet the grinch but it looks like they're go back it sounds like this year's macy's balloons is going to be like a walkthrough experience that's what i was looking at i couldn't i tried to so like i found a news article about the macy's balloons so then i tried to cross source to the actual universal site and mm-hmm. i couldn't get a f- direct read from universal of about what it was going to be but what do you what have you heard about it from from what i read it sounds like they're gonna set up um the balloons <laughs> i wish i could remember where i read this but I, I remember reading that they're gonna set up the balloons somewhere either outside or maybe inside one of their giant um, probably in a sound stage yeah sound stage haunted house buildings and probably just let people walk around and look at the balloons, which I think is awesome because, you know, if you want to see the balloon from all angles, you have to watch the parade like three or four times. Yeah. But now we can just kind of walk around and hopefully, man, I hope like get underneath them. Wouldn't that be cool? Mm-hmm. Right? That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited about that possibility. Yeah. Um, and they also have Santa is going to be meeting in in that area because santa's usually on the last float at the the holiday parade that is actually if you have never seen that parade the coolest moment about that parade is that it goes from where most of the universal parades go and it goes around from the revenge of the mummy to or i think it passes the revenge of the mummy like coming down towards um earthquake and or fast and furious and then goes back up to the holiday hollywood place but as santa passes around the big tree that's outside of new york he lights up the tree for the first parade like he does it it doesn't light up until the parade float with him on it passes that's so cool yeah i love it um but in other news with universal you can still meet the grinch in his like so when you meet the Grinch at Universal, normally throughout the year, you meet him in just this like fa- like fur character face. He doesn't talk. He doesn't do anything. He's just chilling. But during the holiday season, they usually have the Grinchmas show in which you can meet the Grinch as 
the traditional what looks like Jim Carrey's The Grinch. Oh, I got you. So Jim Carrey's modeled Grinch, it will be still meeting, but Grinchmas will, it looks like Grinchmas isn't going to happen this year, which makes sense. Have you seen Grinchmas? I know Ben hasn't, but have you seen Grinchmas? I love Grinchmas. Oh, really? I I saw it for the first time last year and I was... I think it was... And I watched it. I think it was, I think it's overhyped. I don't think it is the greatest piece of art ever. It could have also been the fact that I'd been down in Florida at that point, because this is when I was living down there. I'd been down in Florida for three or four months at that point, and I hadn't done a theatrical show in a long time. So I think it might have also just been like, oh my God, a stage with <laughs> actors that has a stage manager? Whoa. <laughs> so I liked Grinchmas, but again, it could have just been rose colored. I didn't like the fact that I had to wait like two hours for the show because Universal annual pass holders are sometimes even crazier than Disney ones. But. <laughs> whatever um there's a new holiday tree hunt cross park and city walk so it's like a little scavenger hunt yeah did did you get to do that last year at universal yeah the tree hunt no i didn't get there for the holidays oh man i we i stumbled upon it one day me and this person that i met at a party were like let's go tree hunting and i never heard from her again which was fine but the we spent the day hunting for trees it's unrelated it's in islands if i remember correctly islands and and out in um City walk. yeah but the trees are so cool they are all really intricately themed to the area that they're placed in so like the tree next to the tree in lost continent was just like done up to look like it belonged and, and the tree over in uh uh marble land or whatever is painted up so it looks like it's in a comic book like it was so cool it was all really really cool and unlike all of the disney um scavenger hunts completely free oh really at least it was last year i don't know what they're doing this year but yeah last year i would assume it is free again because that seems like a universal move um i've noticed that a lot is that universal is much more lenient about giving you experiences (laughs) um but it says it comes with a prize, so that's where yeah. I'm a little skeptical. Oh, did it come with one last year? Yeah, it was like, it was a little thingy. It was like a keychain, you know. It's not super fancy, but still, you know, that probably cost them like 20 cents. Um, yeah. But, oh, no. but I mean, t- to be honest, every single tree was inside a gift shop. So that's what, that's their, their angle, mm. right? Ah, uh, yes, and that makes sense. It's forcing you to go into all the gift shops, which, smart, right? Mm-hmm. That's pretty nice, but I love I love scavenger hunts, even how silly they are. I love them. <laughs> um, I love me finding some elves. Alphabet University. <laughs> the yes. Alphabet. We the Alphabet. Oh my god. <laughs> That's my favorite. I, you can't see me, but I'm dancing. Um, <laughs> if you can see me dance to it, if you go watch our vlog. <laughs> say, if you want to hear more about that, check out our YouTube channel. <laughs> he he. Um, speaking of. This coming week will be uh, the backstage tour that we got from Christian coming up on our YouTube channel. Oh, yeah. That's going live this week. So that was a really good one for that. It's a backstage tour 
or not even backstage tour. It's a private tour of the entire park. And then following that is another surprise. So stay tuned on the Kitty Kitty YouTube channel. We got the one thing drawn out over months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't get out much, so we got to stretch our content. It's COVID season, baby. <laughs> we all work. We got stuff to do. Um, hopefully there's another show in the works. Gosh, it's hard. It's hard. I don't have service at school when I'm trying to do my research for all this stuff. I don't have any service. Rip. Uh, anyway, to finish out this universal thing that we've been talking about forever, there's also a holiday tribute store, but we knew that because there Excellent. was always a tribute store. Anyway, speaking of other holiday festivities, beginning November 14th, SeaWorld and most of Bush Gardens locations across the country will be doing their holiday celebration as well, which will bring festive foods and at least at SeaWorld Orlando you got happy holidays from Sesame Street it's a wonderful night which is like a retelling of I believe the Christmas story Mm. of like just of Jesus I think it's like a weird retelling like like, their candlelight processional kind of I think so but I think it's very gospel-y and like upbeat and fun um yeah and then you got Sea Lion High the Christmas special Winter Wonderland on Ice, which I saw that that show at Bush Gardens a couple years ago, and that was really interesting. It was like beautiful ice dancing, and it was cool. Nice. Um, sea of Trees, which is their little light show that they do like a really cool, like almost like a drive-through light show, but it's walk-through. Um, and then Rudolph's movie experience, which is like a like a 4D Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer with like effects and stuff. I hope it's like the one at Santa's Village. I, you know, it's probably better. <laughs> but, you know, that certainly was an experience. Yep, that was. Um, actually, my mother and my sister, Melissa, are probably going to Christmas Town in Williamsburg, Virginia. So that is Bush Gardens. So they will be going there in November. So I'll have them get some pictures for us. Throw those up on yeah. Facebook. I mean, it's so exciting. back for a spell around Christmas if we want to return to santa's village oh the only God. content we have on our we youtube go. channel is santa's village we're a santa's village channel now <laughs> santa stands santa's it's a santa's village channel always was <laughs> that's the secret uh there also is going to be an ice ice rink which is interesting at SeaWorld orlando to see how they do an ice rink mm. hope they just freeze over shamu's tank like take shamu out first <laughs> We don't need him anymore. Freeze him in there. <laughs> yeah, SeaWorld's not in enough trouble for their orcas. <laughs> well, you guys wanted us to not have orcas anymore. Uh, speaking of SeaWorld, SeaWorld and San Antonio's wa- uh, wave breaker got stuck the other day and a bunch of riders oh, no. had to be evacuated. Um, firefighters rescued them. I don't, it wasn't, I mean, I didn't do a good job researching it, but I'd assume they were stuck there for a couple hours because that's typically the norm when people get stuck on roller coasters. Nice. Um, All's good, though. Um, And the last thing on the news this week is that um, Disney unveiled what the Guardians of the Galaxy ride vehicle will look like. So Guardians of the Galaxy, is it Cosmic Rewind? Is that the one in Florida? Yeah. Um, They look to me, while staring at it on this picture, which we will share, um they kind of look like what the Gringotts ride's gonna like the ride vehicles look like of like that two double like the two different cars but I don't know if they can move I don't know what do you what do you think Shay staring at that well uh I mean they're 
they're just so the viewers know they're about half the size of the Gringotts. Mm, true. Gringotts can, is three, two cars, three rows of four. This is two cars, two rows of two. A lot like Gringotts, um, where where yeah, the the, the car can t they can force the car to turn so it looks at different scenes. Um, hopefully Ooh. they get more mileage out of that than Gringotts did. Yeah, I hope that it's. I mean, their show building, I, I haven't actually seen the backside of Gringotts to know how big their show building is, <laughs> but I am assuming that how, based on how big that show building is for Guardians, that it's going to be, one, an actual roller coaster, as opposed to Gringotts oh, being man. a roller coaster with very large air quotes around it. Um, and I'm hoping at some point there will be a launch involved in this ride based on the Guardians aspect. Mm. Um, but I, I hope they can tell a concrete, like a concrete story with it. And I'm curious to know, and maybe we know, and I just haven't done enough research about it because I've never actually watched almost any Marvel movie. Um, I'm curious. Shay, don't look at me like that. <laughs> you what? I mean, at least you watch Guardians. I, I tried once and I couldn't focus because oh I was probably distracted. So you know what? It it'll happen. I promise. Mm -hmm. On potentially a show on Q to Q that's in the works. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, but uh, I, I'm curious to know if it takes place like mid the situation of the the movie series, or if it's like after or like what. You know what I mean? I'm just curious. Yeah. What angle they're gonna take? Mission Breakout happens after Guardians Two, because okay. Mantis is a character. Who is? Mantis. Um, oh, yep. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, you don't know. Uh, oh, uh, I know. I know like three of the characters. I know most of the characters. Yes, I know. Okay, now I get it. I I have my fingers on my head that look like antennas. Maybe like we mantis. will share this video footage on on Patreon. <laughs> hey, we have bloopers every now and then for a reason. I think this fits. Um. Yeah. <laughs> but it's gonna be exciting. I've been like anticipating Guardians for like I don't know years now. <laughs> So somebody said, like, can't wait to ride this in 2027. <laughs> Pretty much. Because, man. Oh, God. This, I think spin? this ride. You know, ride I have a hot announced. take here. Go ahead. It's a spinning spinning coaster, right? Mm -hmm. I think now we know why uh, the, uh, oh, God, I'm trying to think of it. Hold on. Oh, no. Brain. Brain start functioning again. God. Wednesday. Okay, hold on. Spinny ride in Dino Land. Primeval, Primeval World. World. Yep. <laughs> now I think we know where the ride system from Primeval World went. There it is. And actually, <laughs> Full it's, spin. <laughs> it's weird to say that the width of that ride vehicle looks about the same. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's a Call controlled it now. spin. It's a controlled it's spin. That is the That's only difference. That's what they want you to think. <laughs> Wait, have you, uh, guys, you guys have never been to, to Disneyland Paris, right? No, no. There's, not yet. there's there's a ride in Disneyland Paris called the Crush Coaster. It is a mm. mostly indoor roller coaster based off of Finding Nemo, where you ride on the back of Crush, and it is a free spinning vehicle. It's totally awesome. Like it's smooth. It feels great. I love that coaster. It's ten times better than Primeval because Primeval is just 
a wild mouse that they put spinners onto. Whereas Crush Coaster, they like built specifically for it. It wasn't just an off the shelf ride. Um, so you should like, you should absolutely try and experience that at some point. Right. That's the goal. I mean, eventually when we do our extra United our States Disney tour. <laughs> Wasn't it? We'll wasn't it there. the Buzz Lightyear tour? It, yeah, we're gonna do the Buzz Lightyear tour at some point. <laughs> Please, can we? I will definitely. I really, I've, I've been to Paris. That's the only international Disney park I've been to. But I really want to hit Tokyo, especially Tokyo. I want to go to Disney Sea so badly, and Shanghai, man. Yeah, and I guess Hong Kong <laughs> since we're there. But you know, let's just I mean, all of them. I mean, I don't Hong Kong has Mystic Manor. That's true. I do want to see Mystic Manor. Uh, well, with that, it's time to get into the topic. So we're going to take a yeah, break. Right after the jump. And we'll see you in a bit. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to tell you about our new partnership with Scribble Script Studio. Scribble Script is an independently owned small business specializing in custom lettering designs. The artist behind it, Emma, is located in the Orlando area, and frequently she can be found visiting the parks for inspiration. Some of my favorite stickers are her Happily Ever After Dumbo sticker and her Tower of Terror suitcase. So check her out on Instagram. Make sure you let her know that Q2Q sent you. And if you're looking for some fun stickers to put on your laptop or your favorite water bottle, make sure you check out her Etsy shop at Scribble Script Studio and use the code Q spelled just like the podcast at checkout for 15% off your order today. That's code Q Q U E U E spelled just like the podcast for 15% off your order at Scribble Script Studios. And we're back. We are back. Uh, what a great ad. Love it. It gets better every time. Um, so this week is is it the sixth episode of the Ten Commandments? <laughs> I said part six, but I'm not entirely sure. It's the sixth one update. Um, this is Ten Commandments part six, which is the avoid overload and create turn-ons commandment. Um, and so if you're new to this podcast and this is the first episode you're ever listening to, or if you're even new to the Ten Commandments series, maybe you skip around. You should probably um, go back and listen to the first episode of Ten Commandments. You should. Just putting that out there. You should listen to the first one. However, uh, if you haven't listened to it and you just want to learn about what we got to say today, um, the Ten Commandments is a design concept com- com- <laughs> created by um, Marty Scalar, who is a late great Imagineer um, at Disney. And it is basically a list of rules or guidelines on how to create an effective product when you're designing an attraction, a land, or what have you. I think I change that every time. Someday I'll have a script for that spiel. Um, But each week that we discuss the Ten Commandments, we go over what the commandment is, as well as the concept of a mouse car and a goof. So what that is, is the mouse car was an actual award that Walt Disney gave out that was for exemplary um, performance in the company. And then Marty Sklar came up with the idea of the goof. And the goof is the idea of you might have missed the mark on what you were going for. So we will talk about what it means for the commandment the mouse card, the goof, and then we will have a discussion about our ideas of some good and bad examples. Or this episode, we kind of go back and forth with similar attractions and who maybe does it better or miss the mark (laughs) or maybe even completely gave us a horrible product uh, 
and we spoiler alert we're going to talk about ben and i's favorite attraction to talk about on the qdq podcast so if you're not yeah. new i'll give you one guess as to what I'm, we're going to talk really about when I, consider I avoiding overload times, but i don't think we've ever like dove <laughs> so, into it so i'm very excited to get into this it it it's a time uh so the sixth commandment on the series of ten commandments is avoid overload and create turn-ons and it seems like a fairly self-explanatory command commandment every single one of these seems very self-explanatory and then we discuss it and it gets a little less obvious um so basically the way sklar defines it in this in this book is you should learn as much as you can about the subject that you are trying to tell somebody about but then you have to just give them a little bitty taste of what that's going on and, and, and a large example that he uses is um specifically spaceship earth um the lead designer on spaceship earth had like a like 19 page essay on the history of communication and she had to whittle down every single bit of that of that essay down to like one sentence for each piece of history Oof. that she she dove into and spent probably hours upon hours writing um and shay mentioned to me it feels like this commandment really talks about the story the idea of the story versus the plot for a long time learning about themed entertainment the 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 phrase that kind of gets hit into your head over and over again is start with story start with story and it was like a year and a half ago that somebody kind of hit me over the head and said there's a difference between story and plot because i was trying to take everything that we, we were doing and like give it you know a list of things that happened but that's not the story that's the plot you know the story is is the environment the story is just not even a series of events but just the happenings and that's it's it's hard to to, to get with but the point is that i have something i've thought about a lot is that the perfect example for story versus plot is flight of passage versus rise of the resistance i'll preface neither ben and i have been on rise but i know a no flight well so <laughs> i know a significant amount of what's going on in rise mm -hmm. but i i've never been on it <laughs> so um gosh where, where where do i start in that case so <clears throat> rise of the resistance is it's amazing okay um a lot of stuff happens and i'm a guy especially when it comes to movies loves movies where just stuff keeps happening like scott pilgrim versus the world is one of my favorite movies because things keep happening one after another um and i i i love i love coming out of a movie exhausted and i love coming out of a ride exhausted and that's rise of the resistance because so much stuff happens it's like first you're a prisoner then you're on a vehicle then you're running away from a drone then, oh God, what's next? Then suddenly you're in a room full of eight, uh, AT ATs, and then suddenly you're on a new floor, and it's just over and over, ba bum ba bum ba bum ba bum ba bum. But then there's flight of passage. So you guys have been on flight of passage. Like, mm -hmm. what? Not the story. What's the plot of flight of passage? Somebody tell me. I don't think I could give you the complete play-by-play -play of flight of passage. Okay. And it's. I think it's because it's not saying it doesn't have a plot, but it's like a lot of the plot is also in the pre-show. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. Yep. And it's not, 
it feels like for 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 me i think soren does a very similar thing of it it sets up the experience you're about to have not the story that we're telling yeah because and i I guess this is like feeding into what you're i'm assuming you're about to say (laughs) but um flight to me doesn't have of course there's a plot but it doesn't have a plot it has okay so you're prepping to go on this thing that we're doing it's more like an experiment here you go Mm -hmm. and then you go do it and like you go to places things happen to you but it's all just that whoa this is happening and there's it's part of it is probably because there's no dialogue in that in that ride ding 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 um dinging ding 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 because there's no dialogue in 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 flight and i think this goes for most rides without dialogue is it's like i feel like dialogue is trying to push a plot and and without dialogue you get an experience mm-hmm. and i guess a story for this situation no i mean there there is there are really good examples of rides that use dialogue to build a story as opposed to building a plot um but you, you pretty much hit it on the nose um which is flight of passage yeah there's a plot but the plot is you go here then you go here then you dodge a thing then you go here or yeah the plot in Rise of the Resistance is you meet this character. This character does this. This very specific thing happens. This very, this specific threat exists. And it's, mm-hmm. it's tons of like, tons of characters building up. Like, it seems to me that it would be very hard to appreciate Rise of the Resistance if you weren't familiar with the new trilogy. Because it doesn't do, a, like, you you have a natural inclination towards knowing that Kylo Ren is a threat, but Hux is a, a very important character in Rise of the Resistance as well, but you don't- If you haven't seen the movies, you would have no idea who General Hux is. Exactly. Unless you also watch Harry Potter and notice immediately that it was Bill Weasley. I didn't know that. Really? It's the same actor as Bill Weasley? Yeah, he's uh, the main character of two very important rides in the theme park industry. Isn't that fun? I had no <laughs> idea that was the same guy. That's amazing. I So at, uh, as somebody who lived in Florida and is obsessed with Universal and specifically Harry Potter, uh, the second I started watching whatever the hell that movie is, the seventh movie, um, I just went, I like paused it because I, 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 Shay, I don't know if you remember me telling the story of how I watched Star Wars as an experience during quarantine I like threw my phone into another room and I didn't talk to anybody um because I wanted to like experience Star Wars yeah um and so I remember the second I saw General Hux on the screen I paused it and I looked at mom and I went is that Bill Weasley (laughs) and she just went yep that is Bill Weasley um so yeah that is Bill Weasley um fun fact um so so the, the, the difference really between the two of them is that when when you set out the, the goal in Flight of Passage, which is established at the beginning of the ride, is you're going to ride on a banshee. Man, that's it. That's the goal. Everything that's all you're doing. <laughs> everything else is, is frosting on the cake. And oh my gosh, is there so much amazing, delicious frosting. But in Rise of the Resistance... But at the beginning, it's set up that your goal, like the end game, is to escape. 
which fine, legit. But by the time you get to the end of the of the ride, you haven't done anything to escape. You've just observed, which again, totally cool experience. Everybody should go on it. Absolutely a mechanical um, spectacle because so many crazy things happen. But a lot of a lot of rides like Flight give you this idea that what you're doing, not that it matters because it doesn't, that, that's the point of flight, that it, it doesn't need to matter. Whereas Rise of the Resistance, they like, I think at the end, Poe Dameron tells you like, well, you're a part of the resistance now. I mean, it's the same as C-3PO at the end of, of Star mm-hmm. Tours where he says, well, we're all resistance now. And it's like, I didn't do anything to deserve this. Why am I in the resistance? What, I was just minding my own business and suddenly <laughs> I'm part of the resistance. But flight, you know, in, in a way, the the um the what's the word the the, the stakes the stakes are low, and mm. that's okay, right? Because then by the time you get to the end of it, it's like we succeeded. Our our goal was to ride a banshee. We did that, and all these other really cool things happened. Um, and and. So even though, especially in filmmaking, you want to look at ways to raise the stakes, but like in rides, you always need to ask, what is my audience's role in this story? Yeah. And are we giving them a satisfactory experience because of that? So like in Snow White's Scary Adventures, even though it's muddled now, thanks to the changes they made, the role is that you're playing Snow White. So the the, the actor is or the the guest is Snow White. By the time you get to the end of the ride, you've done, you've hit, you've checked all the boxes. You've done everything that Snow White did, and that's totally cool. Um, a little different in Pinocchio, and I'm specifically talking about dark rides because that's what Rise of the Resistance is. It's a very very elaborate dark ride. Yeah. But in Rise of the Resistance, you're kind of an unnamed person who was forced into being a prisoner, and then a bunch of stuff happens that you had very little to do with, because Again, in Snow White, even though it's it's very, very abstract, but you don't witness other people doing stuff. Whereas in Rise of the Resistance, that's the whole thing, is you see other people in x yeah. shooting at Kylo Ren. You see other people. And that's a, a very, very satisfying ride, but not a very satisfying story because of the way the plot sort of lines you up to be the hero, and then you're just an observer. But in mm. Flight of Passage, you're the hero, right? Because you're flying this thing. Every decision that is made is is half you, half Banshee, even though you can't you can't actually change anything. But like that's the idea that you get behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was very, very long. <laughs> no, it makes a lot of sense of and and now i'm like thinking about literally every ride ever being like (laughs) whoa are they doing like it's almost not saying like plot versus story but like i literally i don't know why i defaulted to splash mountain okay as like story yeah versus plot it's like and it's that weird thing of like there's a plot happening but it's a very simple plot and we're also involved. Right. Like think about like like think about Splash Mountain. If you were to remove the plot, so honestly, if you were to just remove the character of Br'er Rabbit from Splash Mountain entirely, it would probably still work, right? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, because you would then take on that role of Br'er Rabbit, which is already what the idea kind of is. You're you're bouncing along with Br'er Rabbit. It's like you're his little knapsack, really, yeah. is what I've always felt like. I, I, I love that. That's such a great interpretation, that you would then take it on. And, and in Flight of Passage, like, okay, so switch over. Rise of the Resistance, if you were to remove Kylo Ren or Hux, I mean, Hux you could remove. Kylo Ren, if you remove him, the whole thing falls apart. Um, yeah. But Flight of Passage, who can you remove? Like, there's there's one character in Flight of Passage, other in the ride itself. Like there's 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 the Dr. Stevens and and his boss, what's her face? But then they completely disappear the moment that you get onto the ride. Um <clears throat> but there's one other character in Flight of Passage, and that's your guide. And let me tell you, the guide is so unimportant that like I've done I have I have done rides of Flight of Passage where my entire goal was to follow the guide. The guide disappears halfway through the, the ride and then re, like when you're when you're fighting Torok or whatever the big orange thing is, the guide's gone. And then you assume that the, nice friend there. Yeah. And there's a couple other spots where there's like a bunch of Navi floating around and you think you know which one is your guide, but there's no way of knowing because again, the guide is not important. The most important character in Flight of Passage is you over and over and over again it's you you and your banshee and that's why you can feel your banshee breathing that's why you can hear them because it's all about the connection between you and your essentially your ride vehicle yeah wow we spent so much time <laughs> on that that's, that's, yeah. to be sure. uh, so that's the episode everyone thanks for listening <laughs> um well great let's let's move on to i guess the mouse car which we usually get to very quickly um, and according to Scholar's book, oh, we haven't even mentioned, uh, one little spark, which is, um, as the, if you, if this is happening at the same time as it's happening, um, this is our number one recommendation on Audible. Um, but one little spark by Marty Scholar, which is, it's Mickey's Ten Commandments and the Road to Ma Imagineering is the book that we've kind of been using as our Bible for this, this series. So in one little spark. Um, Sklar mentions that his mouse car awards for the exemplary use of uh, creating turn-ons and, and of avoiding overload is Peter Pan's Peter Pan's flight mm -hmm. in in Disneyland. And specific examples that he uses is like basically there there was like two rules involved in making this ride and that you have to remember and in while being in like the 21st century which is that there is no such ride system in existence and you cannot use halogen light bulbs touch screens 3d modeling computer programming or led lights because it didn't exist yet so basically how do you create this idea of flying around london and then neverland in a galleon without uh, anything that he, you have this idea in existence because i think it didn't exist yet <laughs> yeah and how do you design it and then how do you also make it effective where again it's that idea of i believe because i believe like now correct me if i'm wrong this was disneyland peter pan's flight was an opening day attraction right so this was probably a struggle that almost all of the dark rides were going through in the first place of how do you tell this 100 to 120 minute movie in a three minute experience and we and we we were just talking about it of like how do you effectively tell these stories without giving the, the viewer too much 
to stare at. And with with Peter Pan, they like basically he says like while there have been refinements made throughout the years, it's it's still this ride is the most popular dark ride ever created using just mm-hmm. you know just just very simple show scenes to get you almost like it's almost like if you took a picture book of Peter Pan. And I think it's interesting to see now we grew up a million years after the movie came out, knowing the movie, having watched it as children. But I'd, I'd be very interested to know the perspective of people in the 50s who are Peter Pan was not a new movie, but like you'd only seen Peter Pan once or twice at most because they we you didn't have DVDs. You didn't have home video use like that's true it's it's just so interesting like and i know that jam Barry's peter pan is a very famous and popular story overall it's one of the most widely translated stories in the world but it's still like how much you got to know about peter pan to understand that ride mm-hmm. it's it, it would be interesting to see it from that perspective what do y'all think about peter pan I think it's great. I still can't get on it because the line's too long. Yeah, but that line is great. At least the one in Florida is. I actually have never waited in the new queue. I actually didn't know there was a new queue until we started this show because it's been that long since I've been on the ride. <laughs> um, I think a really good way to look at Peter Pan's flight is to also look at um, uh, air, uh, the, 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 the part of your world, Ariel's Undersea Adventure. Um, the, the the Little Mermaid ride that's at the yep. back of, of Magic Kingdom. Because both of those rides and also Snow White, Pinocchio, um, Alice. Alice, they all fit into a category of rides that are much like what, what you were saying. Um, it, it's called a book report ride. Okay, that's that's an mm-hmm. actual term that, that is used um, in, in the industry. Um, so like Rise of the Resistance and Flight of Passage, not book reports because they exist in their own place. Gringotts, definitely a book report, um, but Forbidden Journey, not. So, because Gringotts, Gringotts. Gringotts does happen in the movie. Yeah, it's supposed it's, to be a retelling of that scene. You're right. Um, so, if you look at like Peter Pan's flight, it hits every major plot point in Peter Pan, right? And it does a really good mm-hmm. job of it. But then you look at under this uh, at Ariel's Undersea Adventure. Have we done this discussion yet? Um, I don't think so. So So I I do, I enjoy the ride and I enjoy looking at it, but if you think too much about the plot, yes, the plot of the ride, it kind of falls apart because just think about, try and do a recollection for me. You go out of the uh, under the sea scene and you go into the Ursula scene. What's the next scene after that? Kiss the girl, isn't it? Yeah. What's the scene after that? Kill Ursula, yay, we won. And exactly. So <laughs> without knowing the movie, what was Ursula's role in this story? She's just telling it. She's just singing a song. And she's just singing a song. And what does she do? She takes her voice. 
Does that even happen in the ride? I don't even know. Like, I think it's alluded, but I don't think it actually happens. Like, it's not clear. She sings about, like, she she has the line, and then, you know, they have a little projection effect with a light near... With Ariel and her voice, yeah. But what I'm trying to get at is, in the ride, Ursula helps Ariel. (laughs) And she... Yeah. They they totally skip, uh, what was her... Rebecca, Veronica, whatever. Ver, Ver, uh, Veronica, Vanessa, Vanessa. Because remember, in the movie, Ursula turns into this this buxom brunette who tries to to take Prince Eric away from Ariel. Like, yep. Like, I I don't know the exact ratio of the amount of time spent before Ariel becomes a human and after, but I think in the movie it's like at least half and half, if not like. She spends I think she's more of a human more of a human in the in the yeah the the movie I think she spends like a significant portion of that movie is the co- the conflict between Vanessa and Ariel and I think I'm pretty sure you're right and in the in the ride it's like 20% and 80% like 20% above the water 80% below like and that's the funny thing I think about, especially the Little Mermaid ride, is that we all know Ariel as this beautiful mermaid. Like, that's the thing. She's the Little Mermaid. But she's not a mermaid at the end of the... It's it's that whole, like, it's the tangled effect, too. It's that whole weird thing of, like, we know her as this thing one way, but really it's not that way. <laughs> And, like, that movie, a large part of it is that conflict between Ariel and Sebastian. And that's the other thing. Sebastian's almost not, not in that whole movie. That whole movie, Sebastian's her little guardian angel. Yeah. And he's barely in it. He's in every scene with her. <laughs> but he's not... You're not getting the the Ariel, it's not safe to be a human. Like, we're, we're yeah. here for a reason. <laughs> I don't know. Have, have I ever told... Probably not. Have, this is my theory of the what what the actual story, not the plot, the story of Ariel's Undersea Adventure. So, Becca, what is the first, the very first thing that you see in that ride? Is it Scuttle? Yep. I remember it being Scuttle. It's scuttle. What's the very, la- the very, very last thing you see on that ride? It's Scuttle. It's Scuttle. <laughs> my theory of this ride is that this ride is scuttle telling the story and isn't that what the ride is but that's it because remember he can't remember the stuff that happened so obviously he forgot half of it <laughs> and he wasn't under the water for a yeah. lot of it so, that that checks out i gosh i have to wonder if like at some point somebody was like what if we just have scuttle do a really factually inaccurate voice that's <laughs> but <laughs> i'm wondering if it's what is it stupid the beauty and the beast show that they have now like it's very similar of like that dumb lefou thing oh. of like what if it's just this is scuttle's perspective I mean, and i'm wondering if that was a trashed idea it could have been of like they built this whole ride they had this idea of scuttle retelling the story and then they went that's not working let's just have a cute little mermaid ride <laughs> the other thing that i have issues with if we want to go most dark rides versus the little mermaid at least in florida it might be different in is it in California? It's in California, right? It's the same ride, exactly the same. 
the little mermaid in in florida i have a problem with the lack of masking in that ride and i don't know if anyone else has noticed it but you can what do you mean by masking look up there's oh, yeah. a grid yeah it's real it's bad r- oh, I've never looked up. Uh, well i'm glad you don't but i i well now I will. it might be because <laughs> of my background in technical theater but there is whenever because well, I used to be like like I remember going on the ride for the first time and being like whoa there's no immersion in this ride like like I remember being like is that is this how it is in other dark rides it's not update because it's and I was thinking about like what's different about this than the Finding Nemo ride because they're the same ride vehicle and I realized that it's just mm. the angle at which the the clam mobile goes over your little head. Doesn't mm-hmm. go over your head as much. Nothing like a slow-moving clamshell for some real immersion. Yeah. So, wow, this is this episode's taken a turn for for the form <laughs> here. <laughs> um, if this is your first episode in Ten Commandments, I promise you this part is not as exciting in every other episode. Um, <laughs> let's jump to the goof because it's not even a Disney attraction, which is interesting. That Marty Sklar couldn't even find a place that really exemplify but like shay when we originally were talking about the avoid overload part we were both like i guess we'll talk about not disney (laughs) disney does a very good job at not giving you too much to stare at or to consume in a sitting but um i don't know what year it was maybe my book will tell me in the 1970 in the 1976 it was the bicentennial celebration um Robert F. Janney, Bob Janney, designed and produced a show at the Radio City Music Hall called America. And basically what happened was that he starts the show and gives like a little like tribute to every one of the states. And they, the, each of the tributes were like between one and a half to two minutes long. And basically, <laughs> Maurice Clark was like, oh, no, we're in for a long night. And it was basically like he did so much research and he was so passionate about the country and each individual state and telling their little like what they're known for. But it was like, nobody wants to hear this. It's good. I, I said it seemed like it was something right out of Sam the Eagle's dreams. It was like a salute to most nations, but or a salute to all nations, but mostly America. And it was just like a salute to every state. And I mean it. <laughs> That's my favorite part. Uh, All nations, but mostly America. um, It's great. It's funny. So basically, he says, like, know your subject, but also know your subject. (laughs) Um, It's it's an interesting thing. And the idea of of avoiding overload is, is weird because, like, even, and I guess maybe it's just my background in theater or, like, my background, like, my idea as a person of, like, most people want simplicity. Most people want a streamlined understanding of what's going on or a direction to go, to walk in. So I want to talk about my favorite segment on this on this podcast that comes up every few months, if not more frequently. There was, a, there was about a month that this episode, that this was coming up every single episode. And that would be the mine of lost souls at Canopy Lake Park. Yay! it's our favorite um 
So I've been trying to talk to you, as you all know, I worked at Canopy for too many years. Um, <laughs> seven summers at the beautiful Canopy Lake Park where it's always just for fun. And there is one dark ride there. It's one of the only dark, dark rides left in New England, um, which I think you guys know that from our vlog. They should. Maybe. Um, but I've been talking to, especially, I'm very good friends with, I worked in the entertainment department, so I'm very good friends with the assistant manager of entertainment. And I was talking to her recently and I was like, what is going on in the mind of lost souls? And she was like, nobody knows. <laughs> nobody knows. And like, and the thing is, and she told me, cause I was like, is there anybody I could talk to to like figure out like what was going on in like designing the ride and whatever because like I think it'd be really great the way we did our third surprise of episode of the Santa's Village series which is coming to you soon um I think it'd be I want to do something very similar of like the history of this this attraction or like how it was conceived to be and she was like I don't even think there's really anyone around that was there when it was built but so basically if you've never been to Canopy Lake Park which I think most of our listeners are from New England so you've probably been there but if you've never been there, check out a, a point of view ride through of the Mine of Lost Souls. But I'll give you the gist of, they tell the story of, I want to say it's Billy and Bobby. And it's, this is the queue story. You won't get this story if you don't stand in the queue and read this sign. So we're at the, the old, the North Policy Mining Company. And you hear the story of Billy and Bobby went into the old abandoned mine of the North Policy Mining Company. And when they went in there, they were faced with like gruesome ghosts and, and scary things. And you never, they never came out again. This is also, this story you can also, if you sit there long enough and outside at the village stage, you can hear it retold by my favorite Pappy animatronic. He's just this old ratchety Western man. He's wearing a Hawaiian shirt. He's having a great time. Um, but if you, you get, you get the story, but you get into this mine and you think, you know what you're in for. You think you're just going into this haunted mine. You're going to see some spooky haunted mine stuff. And you get there and you go through and a rock falls on you, or it looks like it's going to fall on you. And you go in and you see the production of this mine and you see miners and runaway rail cars. And then you go underneath the waterfall and you get face to face with, with, Pappy assumed and he says turn back because it's really scary in there and the Grim Reaper comes out and he says and I quote too late you've come too far your souls are mine right out of the mummy book but it came first so the mummy stole that line um uh and then you turn the corner and there's a little jump scare it's a bunch of it's a room with just like little gold background with some jump scares and then you turn into a sarcophagus and suddenly you're in egypt <laughs> you see this mummy sticking out of a little coffin and you're like all right but it's a mummy if it was just a dead skelly man maybe he'd be more believable but, it, but why is there a coffin in the mine questions and then you are in egypt with some weird snakes <laughs> and some pharaoh idolizing and glowing red eyes. And you turn the corner and you're in this room with, like, you're in, like, this little crypt with, like, these two, like, Pepper's ghost effect ghosty things that they sit up from their dead skeletons. And then you have all the, this room with a bunch of melted heads. 
and like the the ceiling falls on you and then and then then you're done but like we never see billy or bobby which you assume we were going to (laughs) based on this storyline and I don't know what's going on in the mind of Lost Souls. There's no through line. And it's just like, like, I think we talk about it and, and I guess I'll just, I'll, I'll spoil it for our ne- upcoming video this week. I think we talk about it very briefly of um, the great humbug adventure at Chris, at Santa's village, the original version of it. Cause it's now been redone and it's a spectacular ride. So if you have a chance to get up to Santa's village, check it out. But the Great Humbug Adventure used to be a mishmash of things. It was just like every Christmas animatronic we have, throw it in. And they realized that that isn't a, the way rides work. And so they read it a story and now it's great. And um, the Mine of Lost Souls needs that. Yeah, <laughs> I would much. love a storyline there. I would love to have Canopy Lake Park lore attached to this ride that you can then pull like pull, like pull out because there's the north policy mining company there's also the the timber splash logging facility like it, there's so much lore that could be that's potential in at canopy lake park and it's just not happening there's just so much going on <laughs> in this ride and it's just like Again, I couldn't even tell you what the story was at all because you think they set you up for this this situation and then you get in there and it's not what they promised you. Nope, it's kind you'd, of a train wreck. <laughs> you'd think they would connect it to the rest of the village lore. There's just so there's so much happening there. But and like that is the probably other than the pirate <laughs> ship being in there. Um that is the most heavily themed section of the park, that in the, the Boston area, the old Boston. They have a very specific theme in, in, in this amusement park that otherwise doesn't have that much of a theme, you know? It's just interesting. Hmm. And there's plenty of other great, like, mine or old Western dark rides out there. So it's, it's interesting, and, and maybe it's, I don't know how old the Mine of Lost Souls is. That's another question that I would love to ask of like, let me see if I can find it. I bet you I can. Of yeah. Canopy was opened in 1902. Wow. 1987. 87? Really? That was the year oh I was born. I'm as old as the Mine of Lost Souls. I would love to, I would love to know when you it opened and see Lost if Souls. you are legitimately <laughs> as old as the Mine of Lost Souls. At least you have more of a cohesive storyline than the Mine of Lost Souls. That's all you need to to think about. (laughs) That's fantastic. And it's it's also really funny because it was made by Sally Ride. And yeah. 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 Back in the day. You remember those are the guys that did the redo of Great Humbug Adventure. Yes, but also what? this is 87 compared to 2019. <laughs> but that's what I was about to say, is we know Sally to be this incredible company. Wow. And they made that. And I mean, Wow, I want, gosh, I want to know the story. Do you? I'm gonna, I mean, you know people at Sally. I, go go I ask do know them. People. I'm going to email him. Find out. Have them on the show. I'm going to try. <laughs> wow. Like I said, there's plenty of other good mine rides. 
Like, I have not been on any of them, but you said you wanted to mention the Calico Ride Train, Mine Train. Yes. Where yes. is that at Knott's? Yes, it is. Okay, that's yeah. what I thought. So I, I, I am afraid that most of the rest of this episode is going to be blank versus blank, but I specifically, because we spent such a long time talking about Mine of Lost Souls, I wanted to bring up Calico Mine Train because it does pretty much exactly, Becca, what you were saying Mine of Lost Souls should do, which is it feeds into the story of the surrounding area because Calico is the name of the ghost town that was literally picked up and moved from one place into Knott's Berry Farm. And so all of the- (laughs) They picked it up and moved it somewhere else, Ben. What are you not understanding? When? when was that like recent no 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 yeah. this was this was back in in the 40s i think was when walter not did it or maybe the 50s it was walter not and walter okay. disney were kind of doing they, they were never competing but they were they were sort of active at the same time they were doing sa- the similar so things at the same time there must time. be another calico ghost town in california then because um, well, <laughs> i went there well no not at knott's Bay farm but a different calico ghost town I'm, when i was growing up so Walter Knott, when he was looking for things to, to set up for, to entertain people who were waiting to eat at his restaurant, this is true, went to a ghost town called Calico, which I think is the same one that you're talking about, and just mm-hmm. bought and moved a bunch of the buildings to Knott's Berry Farm. So when you, go to, huh. when you go into the theme park and you go to the Calico section, those are all legit buildings. They've been, you know, upgraded and, and, and fixed and, and made pretty but those were actual buildings that were in an actual ghost town, you know, a century ago. Um, But so uh, all around Calico, there are a variety of rides that all feed into the story of Calico ghost town. In fact, their, their newest ride was Calico Rapids or something. It's a, it's a raft ride that is also based off that same story. And the mine train was, I think their first like, dark ride um that that was based off of this area and it's it's been upgraded garner holt did a beautiful upgrade on it like a decade ago not yeah a decade ago um and what it so again story versus plot mind of lost souls has a plot (laughs) we just don't know what it is it has a story but it's really (laughs) now calico mine train it's plot very simple you're going on a tour of the Calico Mine. That's the plot. End. Done. Nothing goes wrong. Nothing. Oh, that's that's not true. One thing does go wrong towards the end. So the plot is you go on you you go on a tour of the mine train, and then after you've been in this tour for like ten minutes, um, they set off dynamite, and suddenly you're outrunning dynamite, and that's the last like thirty oh. seconds of the ride. It's very cool. Um, the majority of the ride is a lift hill and then it gets to the top and they just kind of let you go. Um, now the story, very, very simple. It's a beautiful mine. We're going to go inside of it. We're going to see a bunch of cool looking things. And then the big climax at the end is this absolutely stunning, more beautiful than any physical set Disney has ever made at the top of this, I'm serious, at the top of this mine, it's this big stalagmite stalactites. It feels like you're inside of this like chamber full of stone stained glass with just amazing music playing. It's very peaceful. It's very pretty to look at. 
and you just you they stop the ride vehicle and you just kind of look at it for like 30 seconds and they move on and then the dynamite happens and that's it that's the whole ride and it works it works so well because it gives you a little bit of thrill at the end it gives you something wonderful and beautiful to look at in the middle and it doesn't get bogged down in any kind of messy frankly unexplainable mythos which is exactly what mine of lost souls tries to do there is no myth there's no ghosts it's just it's dudes working in a mine and you're gonna go look at them so i think that that's really the lesson we should take in story versus plot especially in a, a ride which by its own nature has to be short you need to rely on that story to be the most important thing because there's no way you're gonna be able to tell a complicated plot in that amount of time and in this kind of format I think we've been kind of doing this throughout this whole episode of just kind of taking one example and comparing it to something that either does it better or, or worse. Um, so we have like a list of things that I think it's very clear to make those distinctions between the two of them, or perhaps it's not. Um, for our first example that we have here is the idea of dinosaur versus Indiana Jones. They are literally the same track, right? Yep. Um, they're just two different stories. So, Ben, have you been on Indiana Jones? Very long time ago, but okay, yeah. Okay, so we all have, which is good. That's a good start. Um, mm -hmm. Shay, how do you feel about Indiana Jones versus Dinosaur? Well, so let, 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 me, let me forward this by saying I love both rides. Genuinely, I think Dinosaur is, is an amazing um, mechanical masterpiece and just fun. Mm -hmm. um, but I did, I brought these up specifically because they are essentially the same ride, just with different art decoration and different um, vehicle animation. Um, again, to discuss this idea of what, what, what's the overload and what's the, the turn on. And Dinosaur front loads so much plot, so much. It's like, there's time travel, you're gonna go steal a dinosaur, I'm gonna bring you back, I'm not allowed to go with you because I did an unauthorized thing. Like that's a, the whole, I would go with you if not for this unauthorized is kind of a very important plot point that gets swept right under the rug. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, whereas, so that's plot, that's overload, but Indiana Jones, the plot or the turn on is, you're going to go into this chamber and you're going to get either all the riches you want. You're going to be able to see into the future or whatever the third one is eternal life. But don't look into the eye, have fun. That's all the plot you get. Literally they're able to, they're able to tell you that in like 30 seconds or less. Um, whereas dinosaur has like two or three different queue, like one big video in the queue. And then uh, Dr. Uh, what's his face Hodges from CSI. Um, Seeker, Dr. Seeker, Dr. Seeker, yeah, with his voiceover, because that's the other thing is notice that there's a voiceover to tell you all the plot details in Dinosaur, but no voiceover in Indiana Jones, right? Yeah. You, you get Sala a little bit at the beginning and a little bit at the end. Other than that, it's all, it's all experience. It's all the cool thing happening in the temple right now. I'm curious now that I'm, now that we're in living in this horrible society of COVID, I'm curious to see how it's going to change the way we design rides because I'm willing to bet that that pre-show 
doesn't get played. Oh, and Dinosaur? Mm-hmm. It's, it's on a, I've been in it last week. Uh, it's on a loop. But you don't get to see the whole thing, right? right yeah, it, you, it's, it's like the queue goes go. through it. You design it's kind of slaloming Because it's like, God forbid you can't wait in line. Yeah. What I do mean, you do? The, the So I, if I remember correctly, the pre-show videos have to, have to tell, like legally have to tell the guests the safety things. Yep. So it's always seat belts. So on both rides, Sala tells them about seat belts and Seeker tells them about seat belts. Plug them in, use them. Now, Flight of Passage, there, you know how there's like two pre-show rooms? Mm -hmm. They now what you do is you load into both rooms. So there's usually like two or three parties in the super fun Stevens room, and there's like two or three parties in the not Sigourney Weaver room, um, and they do sort of a mashup. They've, they've cut together a new video that's sort of a combination of the two rooms. So you, you don't get the you know flailing around effect anymore, which as, a, as an interactives designer is, is sad to me, but I understand why. Um, and, uh, and that's it now, because again, they have, they have to tell you how you get onto your vehicle, where you put your bags, all that stuff. Legally, they have to communicate that to you. So um, it ma makes me wonder, I agree with you, it makes me wonder that like, are we, are we moving towards a place where they just tell you you know, hit your seatbelt, call it a day. It's just so interesting because you had rides like, I again, haven't been on it, but I know of rides like Rise of the Resistance that is so pre-show heavy that just opened that now people don't get to experience the full effect of that, of that, that ride, you know? It, well, I'll say, I'll say, you, don't, don't be afraid because I went on Rise of the Resistance in August under COVID. You still get to see everything. Rise of the Resistance- that's good it's spread out so they're they're um they, they're not able to turn through as many people per hour mm -hmm. but you still get every piece of it sorry keep keep going it's just so interesting because i know that it, at least at universal i not that i think they haven't figured it out because i'm sure there is a solution but like i know green gods and i don't know when the last time you went on it if you have been on it since covid but i know green gods like yeah. skip right over that because in the queue itself they have videos that tell you all the safety information mm -hmm. so like the the, the pre-show video with with bill weasley and that whole nonsense is not even playing it's just you're yeah. in his office that's it which, which is, frankly good riddance but yeah, yeah that pre-show video happens it's, it's too long <laughs> but <laughs> i wouldn't it's know. just so weird to think about I I think it's it's funny that you were like dinosaur kind of gives you too much overload. Nina Jones doesn't, and I I guess that's correct. But I also think that dinosaur, other than the fact that it's Aladar and it's technically an IP tie-in, <laughs> but dinosaur is also just this simple look at those dinosaurs. We're running away from dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Yeah. I'll, I'll agree with you there. Absolutely. The ride I think both rides are fantastic. I remember being yeah. like, everybody being like, Indiana Jones is the best ride. And I was like, all right. And then I went on it. I was like, no, I see it. I see it. <laughs> it's a yep. good ride. But I think, and I said it to my mom, I was like, I'm not sure if it's a good ride or if the ride system is still just great. Like that, <laughs> that, that ride system is still so good. And I wish that more things used it. 
but yeah, I don't, I don't know where I stand on those two because I think you're right of like, there is a voiceover that's telling you what is happening. But I also think that personally, I think if there wasn't a Dr. Seeker voiceover and there was just the, the Siri-esque voiceover telling you, I still think Mm -hmm. you would, you would have the same similar experience. I agree. Because Dr. Seeker is telling you like, we're not gonna make it. But if you have the (laughs) the way the ride vehicle is moving at the speed of which you're moving, how dark and scary it is. And you had that, that countdown saying meteor hitting you in 30 seconds, you're still going to be scared of that meteor. The stakes are still there. I would, you know, I would love to ride that ride without the seeker voiceover. I'd be really interested to see how that turns out. Um, Mm. It, I, I mean, I'm sure there's a countdown to extinction vo- ride somewhere, and I'm not sure exactly what that. I'm not sure what the countdown to extinction ride storyline was. I have to wonder if it wasn't the exact same ride because if you look at the footage, and that this is something I remember because I'm old, but if you look at the <laughs> footage of Aladar that they used in that pre-show, um, it's footage that you saw in the trailers. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I, I actually wonder if they just, you know, changed the marquee and the signage and that was it. I don't think anything else changed, but I, that's a, it's me. We'll have to do some I, I mean, that. he, they just, you, I mean, he says it's the Iguanodon, mm-hmm. like, which is an, isn't it an actual dinosaur? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, they picked one and it just happened to be the one that they used in the movie. <laughs> Where the ride was just done before the movie, which is true. That's what happened. The ride, the movie took a long time and the ride took less, surprisingly. <laughs> nope, that, that makes sense. Um, great rides, both of them. Fantastic. <clears throat> um, we talked about this earlier, or we mentioned this ride or attraction. It's not a ride. Um, Let's talk about the Hall of Presidents versus the American Adventure. One of them I feel much more beloved than the other. Okay, but look, I think I've discussed it on this show. The current Hall of Presidents, even though many of us disagree with the the finale of Hall of Presidents, um, is awesome. I think I think I've talked about this how I really enjoy it because the the current Hall of Presidents is all about the burning of America. Like, the first image that you see is ashes <laughs> with, like, really sad-sounding music. And uh, here, here's, your, here's your spoiler alert, kids. We, <laughs> the script of Hall of Presidents never refers to our current president as the president. He refers to himself as the president, but the voiceover never does. All I'm saying is Hall of Presidents is what happens when a bunch of artists who very obviously disagreed with the current president being elected were told to make a show about him, and it's ingenious. Do they... So, the current... The current Hall of Presidents... Yeah. With with Trump as the the main president, do they change it? Like, the script of the Hall of Presidents, or do they just change... Oh no! The president part—it's a, part. a totally different show every Re- time. Really? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You didn't know that? Yeah, I've never noticed, no. and I, I mean, like, 
I had no idea. I, I think, mean, like, I didn't start paying attention to the Hall of Presidents until the Obama administration because I was not a human being yet. But <laughs> I did not know that they changed the script. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they don't change the whole thing, but I'm sure they no, changed no, no, no. the lead up to. Yeah. I think. I um, noticed that. I think Lincoln, Lincoln and Washington's speeches stay the same, but everything else, everything else is different. Yeah. Wow. Um, the reason that I wanted to bring this up was because mostly because Hall of Presidents has this this um, obligation to change itself every eight years and four to eight years and significantly change itself every four to eight years. Yeah, um, it must be really expensive. <laughs> I, I can only imagine. Um, the uh, that's why. Hall of Presidents sort of relies on on having way too much information because it's it's all voiceover. It's all almost entirely facts of like these yeah. are things that happened. But American Adventure, right? That tells you the history of America from this very happy, very rose-colored glasses point of view with these two very charming hosts who try and break down America into a metaphor. And it's, man, every time I go to that, I love America. I'm not a big fan of America right now, but every time I watch that show, I love America. It, I, <laughs> yesterday, for some reason, I was listening to, I was listening to my Disney playlist and the American Adventure song came on. Mm. And I said, again, right now i'm not a huge fan of america but i said i don't care you put that song on i love america that song <laughs> is so good <laughs> and it's just like that show and it took me forever to watch it it took me until 2018 to sit down and watch that show really ben have you ever seen it it's never watched the american adventure ben listen listen ben. Shay, shay listen if you don't know it's there you don't know it's there ben I never knew it was ben! there. Ben's family doesn't go to Epcot either. Ben! I mean, we, we do, mm, but okay. mm. I don't, we usually, here, here's what happened. We would always end our day at Epcot and we'd walk around the World Showcase like at night when everything's like closed up. So we just never got All right, there. next time you're down there, go watch American Adventure, okay? It's, I will. It's it's a, it list. is a very Absolutely. long show. I think it's a 40-minute show or something like that. But it's... It's spectacular because it's what it's Franklin and and uh, crap. Samuel Clemens. Um, Mark Twain. Mark Twain, yeah. And it's huh. they they tell the story of like the significant like the literal like historic moments of of America of like when like the first woman to do X the first person of color to do. X. It was. It's like th those moments of like the World's Fair and how that changed America, and th this event, which is how that changed America, and how the people did things of like this thing was passed, and it was the first time that this could happen. Or it's, and it, it's like you said, Shay. It's like the Hall of Presidents is like, let me tell you a very expansive history on the idea of a president, <laughs> and the American Adventure is like, dude. America did this, and this is what happened, and that's why we can do this now. And it's like, hell yeah, America, <laughs> keep keeping on.
And then you get out of there and you're like, I'm in Epcot in a commercialized version of the entire world. This is America. <laughs> um, I love an Amer- the American hilarious. Adventure. It's also like, it's a 40 minute show inside with air conditioning. Go watch it. <laughs> it's hot in Florida. Go watch the American Adventure. Have a great time. And, and I think, I guess we can talk about avoiding overload in that case of using World Showcase as an example overall. Ben has never seen the American Adventure and probably many of the other shows in the World Showcase because what is there to do in the World Showcase? Sit down and watch a long show. There's not a lot of stimulation in, in, in the World Showcase, which is you'd think opposite of overload, <laughs> but it's, it is simultaneously lack of overload and very much overload of the fact that the only thing to do in the World Showcase other than in the Norway Pavilion and the Mexico Pavilion and soon to be the Paris Pavilion or the France Pavilion is to watch a show. You got a show in Canada, a show, two shows in France now, theoretically, if you care about watching both of them. Impressions to France is way better. Um, American Adventure, China has one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Norway still technically has. Do, do they have it anymore? No, but Norway used to. You get off the ride and go watch a show. And it's like, you don't got a lot going on in World Showcase. That's why a lot of people, if you're not a ch- if you're not an adult with like a brain and some alcohol in you, <laughs> you don't want to go through the World Showcase, and that's why people typically ignore it. It's I'm s- still very sad about the World Showcase we did not get that included so many more rides. Phase Two World Showcase was gonna be lit. <laughs> <laughs> still mad about it, but they're overloading you and and. It was kind of an issue with Epcot overall, but specifically World Showcase, is they overload you with shows. Because like theoretically, it's like, great, if every other attraction is a show, it's like, okay, you experience that intense thing, you probably waited outside for a little bit, but then now you get to sit down in the cold. But, they, <laughs> but it's every, every single one. And I don't know. Think they could do a better job at giving more diverse experiences and hopefully that will change with ratatouille hopefully um now shay you you brought up on this next list you put in the timekeeper versus the lap floor now i don't think i'm old enough to have experienced the timekeeper yeah that's um, a surprise i think it disappeared in 99 yeah so ben and i both have talked about i think our first trips were both in 2000 but we also would not have been lucid human beings yet (laughs) yeah i I was i definitely went in 98 but i do not remember it at all yeah i i have vague recollections of the timekeeper i think i wrote it in both paris and wrote it watched it both is it in paris not anymore but it was it was it was made for paris and then brought over so t- Timekeeper, the, the reason that I'm comparing it to Laugh Floor is because they were in the same building. So Laugh Floor was the replacement of Timekeeper. Timekeeper was a circle vision um, attraction where you'd go in and you would stand like all the circle visions and you would have this really weird experience where at the front of the, of the theater was an animatronic performed by Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. And 
he played he was this character called the timekeeper and he looked like an animatronic that was the whole thing is that he was a robot yep um and then you would he i don't even remember why he was sending this like robot thing back in time but they went back and they went to a bunch of different time periods i remember them being like vikings and like ancient france and a few other places and in all of these different time periods were celebrities jeremy irons was in it there were and i don't remember who else but like every time period had a different celebrity playing a famous character from that time period and things happened i wish i could remember more to tell you exactly what happened but again i saw it once when i was younger than i am now um and that it it didn't last very long like 10 years maybe mm-hmm. and i think it's because it was the same plot the story was you're gonna go back in time but the plot just stayed the same every single time now laugh floor has been around for like i don't know i don't know if you pulled it up like 15 years at least let me look at it but keep talking it's been a good amount yeah, of time because it changes every time you go and again story versus plot overload my gosh timekeeper was nothing but overload we're gonna go to this time period crazy things are gonna happen this time period here's a celebrity robin williams is gonna make a joke this 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 over and over and over again laugh floor sit down listen to some jokes hold on laugh floor hasn't been around as long as you think it has how long has it been there 13 years doesn't it feel like so much longer than that well we spitballed 15 so it's not too far off i Um, guess it just feels like so much longer than that yeah Mm -hmm. um but so yeah fun fun fact next time you go into laugh floor look at the at the ceiling or like the walls around near the ceiling you can see where the panels are from the old 360 um oh the, really oh yeah like it becomes really obvious when you look for it um that's really cool so and that's one of the reasons why i love laugh for because it doesn't overwhelm me with stuff it's like here's some funny monster jokes and now these monsters are going to tell you more jokes and and they're going to talk to you and, and you're gonna have a great time yeah and that's it and it's a i i do it every time i go to that park because i genuinely love the the monsters and laugh our next topic that we wanted to discuss is spider-man versus transformers so the, the, this will be pretty quick and again i bring them up because they're the same ride system not not the yep. same ride track because transformers has two two floors but um same ride system and because uh, again spider-man the the plot that's front loaded to you is you just gotta go see what's going on in the city and they make it very obvious at the beginning all of the villains are out that's it <laughs> all of the villains are out and so the fun and games of the ride is ah villain ah villain ah villain and i'll actually say there is that's in a way a bit of overload because there are so many different villains you don't really know what all their powers are um and you kind of have to figure it out as you go along but it definitely makes up for it and just the utter amazingness of it um Mm -hmm. now transformers has an overload of story okay Hear me out on this, not plot. I don't actually, I was going to say, I don't actually know the plot of Transformers. I think I've been on it like twice. So the plot of Transformers is, I don't remember why you originally go into to NEST, whatever the hell that acronym is. Um, but when you're in the queue, you find out that the AllSpark, which was the MacGuffin from the first Transformers movie, has been, or no, that it's, it's, it's in the building and the building is currently being attacked by... Um, the 
Decepticons. Um, and you need to go get onto this, this vehicle named EVAC, and you and EVAC are going to take the AllSpark and get it to safety. Now, the overload of story is that there's a few different things going on. There's one, you're trying to get the AllSpark gone. So that's one sort of arc of our triumph is going to be the AllSpark um, getting to safety. Two, there's actually a what I think should have been the main focus, which is Evac, who is a robot made to run away, discovers that he needs to fight. That's Ooh. poetic. That's beautiful. But it's kind of run over by the rest of the of what becomes just like Spider-Man, a villain, a villain, a villain, a villain. All of them with different powers. All of them being featured in different ways. Um, and so Spider-Man is a lot more satisfactory because there's one, one character to pay attention to as the hero, which is Spider-Man, Spider-Man versus the world. And that's really all you need to know. Whereas in Transformers, it's, it's you and Evac and Optimus Prime and a bunch of other Transformers who are all working together to both get the Allspark to safety defeat all of the um, villains, and also Evac has to have this really satisfying revelation of being a fighter instead of a runawayer. That's um, Yeah. So it's a lot I, of happening. I, exactly. And that's perhaps why, I mean, like, I was never a fan of the, fr the, the franchise anyway. Like, I think I saw the first movie, but it's, I think it was like, I was a fan of Shia LaBeouf, and that's why I watched <laughs> it in the first place. But I don't think it never really stuck with me. Like it took me a very long time to even get on it in the first place mm -hmm. because it was like, it's that one building in the middle of the park that <laughs> is next to Shrek, like whatever. There's, there's that whole building is useless to me, <laughs> <laughs> but I would agree with you of like, both of them are like, Wow, there's a lot going on here. <laughs> there's a lot. And I think, I don't think Universal overloads you, but it definitely gives you a lot uh, often of like, like, like Fast and Furious happens too, of like, you had to have watched the movies to understand the Fast and the Furious. So I think it doesn't do that great of a job with, giving you a ride experience because if you didn't watch the movies you you need the two pre-shows of explanation to understand why you are needed to be with the family and what's happening and then actually there's two pre-show rooms plus <laughs> that other exposition room uh -huh. about the cell phones and then you get into the actual ride that is like physically overloading because there's a lot of things that are being thrown at you and it's just not a can hate that ride hate that ride so much <laughs> but transformers does a lot of physical effects too mm -hmm. that i'm not nah, i don't like being. yeah they're okay i don't like being yelled at when i'm on a ride i like the the heat when the rocket goes over your head that's pretty cool yeah and that's that's one effect that i really think that spider-man does really well is the jack-o-lantern one oh yeah with the pumpkin the flying pumpkin yeah. It's something I'll give Transformers, which is the Transformers as a 
as a as an IP and just Michael Bay in general is known for those quick slow motion shots where it's like action action everybody go really slow and they actually did a really good job of translating that into a ride so in yeah. those moments you actually feel like you as a member of the time stream is being slowed down which is totally cool and a really good way of, of avoiding overload because a lot of things that happen like imagine if they really pushed that hard because so many things happen in transformers you can't keep track of it what if we'd like what if we'd gone full on Zack Snyder in 300, like every five seconds, let's go slow. <laughs> Imagine an entire ride done in slow motion. That'd be so cool. <laughs> an entire ride in slow motion, dude. In that ride vehicle would work very well. Or like the yeah. uh, the Forbidden Journey ride vehicle in slow motion. Yeah. Taylor, Shay, let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, that'd be so cool. We just need a few few million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. I got, you know, just a in few this closet behind me. Uh, oh great. Anyway, we've we we've we've beat that dead horse. I, you know we don't need to do this last one. I don't, I don't know, know, but I think we have to. It's a tradition. I think we've touched on it's it before. It's a tradition though. of this this series okay. every single time. Um, to close out this episode, we're gonna talk about the literal thing that comes up every single time we talk about uh we talk about this thing oh shay you know what we did not mention this episode what power of terror because you know what it avoids overload yeah it creates a turn on does a really good job as we've said before the tower of terror is a perfect attraction full stop you're right (laughs) oh you know what else we didn't bring up in the news we didn't talk about the status of the duke kaboom case but i'm assuming there's nothing Uh, we'll we'll have to update the viewers on that next week but let's talk about the ever-present issue in my life uh which is dino land <laughs> <laughs> so can anyone guess what i'm gonna say about it is it about uh, the, the 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 chest there's no story. chester and hester's <laughs> situation or the fact that there's the boneyard there's the, the thing the the dino institute and chester and hester's and there's too much going on in there and what am I going to say about the fact that there's too much stuff happening in Dinoland USA? That that's the point. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're in like like high school, and like you're like we're we're like Mr. Willard. You've said this every time. It's the point of Dinoland. It's it is. It's so overwhelming. There's so many things. It was twice as overwhelming when Primeval World was still going. Oh my gosh, the sounds, mm-hmm. the sights. You didn't know where to look. Except there, except for the big green dinosaur, which is where they wanted you to go. They wanted you to go through the, the thing. And that was the point, is that they created this chaos, this complete cacophony of stuff. And then at the far end was this big shining simple beacon of green dinosaur and you you just wanted to go to it because they built a weenie their weenie was this big pretty dinosaur and if you just made your way through this cacophony and maybe you buy some things on the way you get yourself through chester and hester's and you're done and that's the whole point and that's why it's ingenious it's terrible design with a purpose yeah and title land i love that title land does a good job of getting you in there certainly mm-hmm. because at the very least, you wander in because you're like, this 
is in Disney World <laughs> and not in Fun World. <laughs> right. So it's like, what? <laughs> wow. And that's the issue I have that's with Dinoland. It's my vendetta. I, I still, oh man, I get it. I get it's, the design. It's a caricature. It's I get fantastic. It. And I hated it until Shay explained it. I still hate it. All right. <laughs> if I had to get, okay, I've been alive for 24 years of my life and it took me until 23 of them to learn the purpose of Chester and Hester Dinorama. That is not good design, man. <laughs> that, or it makes it ingenious. No, if you have to tell me why, listen, man. That's the point. I don't know. Dino Land, man. Hate it. Hate, hate, hate. Hate, oh, hate, boy. hate. So anyway, we're almost out of time here. So we should probably wrap this up. Let's wrap it up. So thank you guys for watching. Watching. This is audio. This um, is audio. Thank you, <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in to this week's episode of the QDQ podcast. If you like this episode, make sure you share whatever post you found it on. Tell all your friends. Bring a friend next time. And also subscribe to us on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and if you're on a, over on Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave us a rate and a review. Super helpful helps the podcast. And if you mm -hmm. like what you hear and you want more content, where you can where can you go, Ben? You can go to Patreon.com/slash Q2Q, spelled just like the podcast, and you can subscribe to any of our tiers starting at just one dollar for some great bonus content, polls, videos, all that jazz, even some merch, get some Q2Q swag. Check yeah. It out. Um, yeah. And then this week, as I mentioned at the top of this episode, we will have a new vlog. Vlog? Vlog. Vlog. Yeah, we'll have a vlog. Let's call it a vlog on our YouTube channel. So go on over to YouTube, search Q to Q. Go uh, subscribe over there. Hit that bell notification icon so you can mm. see all of our videos for the future. Hopefully, we got some mm -hmm. good stuff cooking up. We just have to get on get on producing yep so thank you shay for joining us and we will see you back here next time thank you for having me it's always a pleasure we'll see you in a month and mm -hmm. then probably immediately for our christmas over overlay of whatever we choose <laughs> apparently we're overlaying <laughs> alien encounter alien encounter <laughs> um so thanks so much all right and we'll see you guys next time Bye bye bye